everyone, and welcome to How to College for First Gens, our podcast where we get together over some coffee to have real conversations about what it's like to be a first-generation college student before, during, and after college. Our goal here is to democratize knowledge that we've gained along the way, learn a bit more about being first gens, and hopefully help others going through some of the same challenges we've experienced by sharing some lessons learned of other fellow first gens. I am Norma Torres Mendoza, one of the podcast co-hosts, a first generation college student myself who also experienced the roller coaster of this journey. Applying to college as a first-gen is extremely hard, as it comes with many unknowns. In today's time, however, there are even more unknowns that we have to deal with due to the COVID-19 pandemic. This certainly adds another layer of complexity for our first-gen friends. Today, we will be discussing how the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted one of our high school seniors academically, financially, and socially as she prepares to apply to college. Let's hear what lessons learned she has to share with us. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hello, I'm doing great. How about you? Good. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself, Michelle. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Michelle Ramos, and I am a senior at Idea Westico College Prep in South Texas. Just to begin this conversation, just tell us a little bit about how you learned you were a first-generation college student. I first learned that I was a first-generation college student. It was just a known fact because my mother always uh, reiterated that we had to go to college to get an education and not have financial struggles like our family did. So I am not the first in my direct family, but I am the first in my generation. Got it. So your mom did not go to college. What does she do? She's a housekeeper. Awesome. So is my mom, by the way. Today, Michelle, we are going to be having a conversation about what it's like applying to college during COVID. But maybe we should start at the very beginning. Can you tell me when you first learned that we were going through a pandemic? Where were you? What were your initial thoughts? I got my first view of the pandemic through Twitter and Twitter memes about like everything that was going on. But it was also just through my Euro class. Our teacher is like very updated with news and he would tell us like, oh, like what is happening in China? But I guess it never became, oh, this is going to happen in the United States. It was just something that was going on somewhere else. And it didn't become real to us until spring break when we were notified that our spring break, we would have an extra week. And then after that, we just never went back. And do you remember how you felt? Were you scared? This was your junior year in high school. I'm sure you were excited to come back to school after spring break. But what did you think? What Was it fear, excitement, a little bit of both? Like every high school student, you kind of get tired of going to school every day. So it felt like a relief at first, like, oh, we have an extra week of spring break. And it didn't seem like it was going to last this long. Honestly, I didn't think it would go into my senior year. I thought it would just be two weeks and then we're back to school. And then it turned out you were not going back to school. So tell us a little bit about that transition from not going back after spring break and then getting on your computer every day to learn and to finish up your junior year. It has definitely been difficult to adjust to online learning, especially because I have a very short attention span and I'm pretty sure a lot of people can identify with that. So it was definitely weird to get accustomed to that and then to wake up at the same time, but you're not going anywhere. You're just staying home. But I would say that it has been nice to know that my teachers are also going through this. So I'm not going through this alone and that they're adjusting the best they can. Did you have to take any AP test or IB test your junior year? Yes, I believe I took four to five AP online tests. 
That was scary, to say the least. I didn't know if they were recording me. I didn't know if they could see what I was doing. I didn't know if they could see how scared I was, especially when it came to math. I was just freaking out. And then in my case, my internet started failing when I was taking my AP statistics exam. So that was very nerve wracking. I did get my results in the end, but it just wasn't a good exam and it wasn't a good experience. Oh, I bet. I can't imagine. Here you are trying to run a regression and all of a sudden your internet is completely out. And I can't imagine, you know, my hands would be sweating. I would just be like, oh my gosh, this is the end. I think I even started crying. So yes, definitely. Yeah, it sounds super scary. So then you finished your junior year and you were supposed to head off to a summer experience. So tell me a little bit about the summer experience you were going to have. And then what did it transform to because of COVID? Since I attend a charter slash public school, part of our curriculum is a class called Road to and Through College, which helps us apply to college, but also summer programs that will help us navigate college as a first generation low income student. So one of the programs that I applied to and thankfully got in was LIDA, which is a leadership enterprise for a diverse America. And regularly, this happens on the Princeton campus on the East Coast. But because of COVID, it had to have an online format, which I'm at least thankful that I, I had the opportunity to experience it. But obviously, I would have wished that it would have been on the East Coast as it was supposed to be. Well, I'm so sorry that it had to be online because the Princeton campus is beautiful. The weather just couldn't be any different than the Rio Grande Valley. I got the opportunity to do a summer program there when I was in college, which I would suggest that you write it down. It's called PPIA, Public Policy and International Affairs. And we also got sent to Princeton for a summer and it was fabulous. But tell us, what was it like to do this program online in your house? Lita has curriculum that's already set. So we have our writing instruction classes, which we still took. It was just a shorter amount of time and it was not every day. I'm not sure if it was every day during this uh, regular summer institute, but I do know that ours was shortened. Our writing classes were 45 minutes only and they were just twice a week. And then we had our leadership classes, which were an hour, but they were also only two times a week. And then we had our ACT slash SAT prep classes, which these were the ones that were one hour and 30 minutes. But if it had been in person, they were five hours and they were twice a week. I don't actually know too much about Lita, but is the purpose to prepare you to apply to top institutions? Is that what the mission is? Yes, they help you apply to tier one, tier two schools. So the top of the top, but they do focus a lot on having a balanced list. So it's not like every person has to apply to an Ivy, but if that is what you want, they can surely help you achieve it. That sounds phenomenal. So not only do you have the support system of IDEA public schools, but you also have in this extra support from the LIDA cohort. Is that right? Yes. So a family of 102 people. Wow, that's big. So how did you build connections with them given that you were in your house and everybody was dispersed everywhere? Time zones were definitely an issue because we had people from Hawaii, Alaska, like anywhere you can imagine in the United States, there was someone from there. But since we're teenagers, we rely heavily on social media. So we did have an Instagram for our cohort. 
where we could post introductions and then you say a little bit about yourself and then someone would reach out to you and would be like, hey, like we can talk about this that you mentioned or like that. And then we did have a Discord where we talk often, like we still talk even after Summer Institute. I mean, there's channels for like essay help. There's channels for scholarship opportunities. So we help each other. It's definitely not like it ended after Lita ended as they say, leader for life. So it sounds like technology really made a huge difference here. And if this had happened 20, 30 years ago, I can't imagine what it would feel like. I don't know if if you remember this, but the flip phones, right? We couldn't do anything on the flip phones. So I can't imagine actually building a cohesive cohort. But luckily, technology has advanced so much for us. So now you are headed to your senior year. Did you start school already? And are you virtual? Or is everything going back to quote unquote normal? Sadly enough, after Lita ended, I had a two-day summer. So Lita ended on the 7th, and I started school on August the 10th. And I've been virtual ever since, but it kind of, quote unquote, is back to normal since we have like a schedule that runs from 8 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. with only like 10 minute breaks between classes. But you're still at home in front of your computer, right? Yes. So how do you think you're adjusting now? What lessons learned did you have from last semester that you're carrying forward to this semester? One big life lesson, not necessarily like an educational lesson, is the best plan is no plan at all because I was so prepared for my senior year. I mean, I was planning to not work. I was planning to just save up during the summer and then not work my senior year so I could focus on college applications. And because of COVID, like all of that has gone away. Do you also have a job on top of your school? I used to. I was laid off at the beginning of March. So I've been laid off since, but I'm starting my job search up again. Well, I'm so sorry that they had to lay you off. I'm guessing it's because they closed down Chuck E. Cheese's for the meantime, right? So it's semi-closed down. I think we're open for carryout and delivery. But since they're not operating at the same level that they used to, they can't offer to pay everyone. So they have to cut back their workforce. So it sounds like COVID brought many challenges for you, not only educational, but also financial, given that you had this plan and now you have to go to plan B. Tell us, what is it that you're saving money for? What are you hoping that this money will help you to do in the future? I want to go to a college out of state, uh, specifically like in the East Coast. So Washington, D.C., just where I could be in the center of politics and all of that. But since COVID happened, I wasn't able to save up. And what I wanted to save for was just basically transportation costs, because I know it's going to be difficult to get a flight from Washington, D.C. to the Valley with little money. So that was my whole plan. It would just be saving up for transportation just in case I don't get scholarships because I know scholarships are going to be difficult. They're very competitive, especially down here. So it was definitely in my plan to save up all summer and then just relax my senior year. Unfortunately, COVID has turned our plans upside down. And it sounds like for you, that's very tangible because now you're no longer saving or you weren't able to do that because you were laid off. So tell me a little bit more about how COVID has impacted your two college journey. So have you had any canceled college visits that you were planning to do and that are no longer happening? Not necessarily college visits, but definitely fly-ins, which have gone virtual. So I know I am applying to the Amherst fly-in program, and that has gone virtual. And the applications are coming up. So it's difficult to just maneuver having to have online classes all day and then filling out flying applications on your own. 
because counselors are there, but I guess it's more difficult to reach out to them when you're over a screen than it would be if you were in a school building. Right, because I'm guessing you could just pop into the office and say, hey, I'm here and I need help with this. And it's just so much better when everybody's in the same building and a lot easier, I imagine. And just for our audience, the fly-ins are an opportunity for high school students to go and experience the campus and experience the culture and figure out if that is where they want to spend the next four or five years of their lives. So in absence of that, how are you getting to know the culture of the university since you actually can't go and visit anymore? My new adaptation to all of this has been to reach out to students. I know Lita made it easier for us to do that since we had college webinars every week. So we could meet students who were sophomores or juniors and they would tell us about their experience. And they actually connected us to like Yale Junior, I believe, who just made sure that we knew that Yale was affordable and that we could go there if we wanted to. So that was made easy by them. But it has also been like, if I want to go to a school that I did not go to a webinar to, then I have to reach out to them on my own. And how does that make you feel? Do you get a little scared having to draft an email to someone you don't know and say, hi, my name is Michelle and I'm interested in your school. Do you have 10 minutes to talk to me? What's that feeling like? Yes, it's definitely very scary. I hate email. <laughs> I guess it's because I'm part of the younger generation. So I, I find no comfort in emailing people, especially people that I don't know. But I think the lessons that COVID has taught me is that you don't have to be scared of reaching out to people, especially if they have something that they can help you with. I mean, they do this all the time, right? I'm pretty sure you're not the first student that is going to reach out to them. And I'm pretty sure you're not the only person who has the same question. So if you go ahead and ask someone for help, you can help other people who have the exact same question and are a little bit more scared to email them than you are. I really like that attitude and you would be surprised the number of messages I get via LinkedIn or email. And these are people that they obviously don't know me, but they want to know about like the Paul and Daisy Soros Fellowship or graduate school. And like you said, if I have time and I can, what I do is I usually just pull them all together in one Zoom call and I say, okay, we don't know each other, but here's all the information just because it's so much easier for me to do one call with four people than for individual calls. So don't be scared. People are out there to help you. And and I'm really glad you're taking that initiative. Are there other things you are doing to get to know the culture of the university other than reaching out to the students, which by the way, I think is probably one of the best strategies out there? As part of the younger generation, social media is a great part of my life. So I've taken it upon myself to search up like YouTube videos. I know I decided to put Brown on my list based off of one YouTube video that I saw because they just look so happy on campus. And I was like, okay, this is the school that I want to go to. This is the school that I would see myself at. So I would definitely recommend going on social media, either following their specific Instagram or just searching up YouTube videos or going on review pages, I guess, where students can like rate their classes or rate their professors, things like that. I really like how innovative you are being about this process. And we actually have quite a bit of higher ed administrators that listen to our podcast. So I think this is a good time to let them know now more than ever, your social media has to be on point. Because like you said, you and a lot of your classmates are judging and basing your decisions to apply or not apply to a certain place based on what they're putting out there. So marketing now more than ever, I think is going to be super important for universities. 
I'm going to pivot here for a second and ask you about your interviews. So traditionally, the way that it worked before, and and I know this because I used to interview for both Rice and Harvard, I would meet up students at a coffee shop like in the Rio Grande Valley and just get to know them in person and get to know their stories and then obviously write my review based on our meeting. But that obviously is not happening anymore. All of our interviews are now going to go virtual. So how are you preparing for this virtual interviews that you are about to have with this universities you're applying to? Thankfully, Lita taught me how to do interviews online. Well, not necessarily taught me like in a classroom form. To begin my Lita process or more like to end it, to finalize my admission, I was asked to have an interview with an admissions officer. So that definitely helped me what the future is going to look like because through that interview, I grew aware that emotion can go through a screen. So don't be scared of, I'm not saying cry on your interview, but if you cry, I'm pretty sure the person across the screen is going to feel exactly the same way that you do. So don't be scared of the limitations that a screen brings because emotions are not a limitation. They will surely go through. I really like that piece of advice. And then what about how you are dressing or any other tips about what to make sure students are aware of as they're having the Zoom interviews now? One, work smarter, not harder. Just dress formally from hips to your head. And then if you want to wear shorts under, it's fine. No one's going to see that. They're only going to see your face and your shirt. And that's about it. Yeah, unless you get up, you know, for something or closing a door. So my advice would actually be dress up all the way because at least for me, it gives me more confidence. And like I even set up straighter, like I'm wearing the part, if you will. But if it works for you only to wear the top part, I think that works as long as you don't get up. So tell me a little bit more about any application changes. So you have to retake the SAT. What about the remaining of your AP exams? Is there anything that's changing around there, around the actual exam piece of applying to college? As far as changing, I would say, obviously, like a lot of institutions have gone test optional, but Lita asked students to still take their ACT if they would like to increase their score. But COVID has made it difficult for that. So I know my ACT is scheduled until December because I have to take the with writing audit and the seats, they went away in a matter of hours. I know that it opened at eight. And then when I logged in at 10, there was no longer any seats available until December. So that definitely made it difficult. But if you have a good score that you feel confident about, I think the best advice would be to send it in because it's going to benefit you more than it is going to harm you. So the piece of advice here that I'm hearing is if you have an SAT, ACT that is high enough, go ahead and send it because it'll do more good than bad. However, if you don't, then what are your options? Are they allowing you all to take the SAT, ACT from your house or is that not happening at all? As far as I'm concerned, no, it's still in-person testing. But if you want a seat with writing available, then you should get onto that fast. But other than that, I feel like most of these institutions are very much aware that by going test optional, that means they can't weigh an exam as much as they used to. So if you don't have a good score, in my opinion, that is not a bad thing. Like you can just claim test optional and that would be it. Because at the end of the day, a standardized test score is not what defines a good student or a bad student. It is simply a test and it is simply four hours of your life. 
And I think that that's what universities are realizing. And I think that is why there's a big push now to make it optional. So what is your plan? Are you going to submit your SAT? Are you still studying for December? How are you handling that? As of now, I have a test score that I'm pretty confident about. So if it comes to worst and my December exam date is canceled or I just don't have time to send those to universities by the time I apply, I think I am comfortable with sending mine in. But if I do have the opportunity to take the December exam, I'm planning to self-study a lot. So yes, I'm just trying to raise my score at this point. But I guess it's not scary to me if it gets canceled. It wouldn't be the end of the world. Good. So you touched a little bit on this, but I just want to make sure we give some clear guidance and tips for some of our audience here. So you did mention that your financial situation has changed from you personally. Has it also changed for your parents, for your mom? And if so, how are you going to address that in your college application? For a while, my mom was also laid off. In the Rio Grande Valley, there was a lot of stay-at-home orders and curfews and things like that. Especially if you weren't an essential worker, you were basically sent home. So since she's a housekeeper, her job isn't considered essential. So for a while, at least four weeks, she was laid off. So that definitely affected us. But she's back at work now, and I'm on my job search now. So yes, it was a problem. But at this point, I think we're way better than we were at the beginning of this pandemic. So are you going to address this somewhere in your application or will you wait until you receive financial packages and then try to appeal based on what happened? Well, most of the schools that I'm applying to have an additional supplement asking about how COVID-19 has affected me. So I'm definitely planning to put a little bit of that in there, like how I got laid off, how she got laid off, how that's made it difficult for me to save and for her to save for me to go to college and for her to visit me or anything of that sort. But then if worse comes to worse and I am still not offered the most financial aid necessary, then I think I would be comfortable with appealing. Most definitely. I would encourage any of our listeners whose parents or they themselves were impacted financially to think through on how they want to tell the story and what story they want to tell. So to give you just an example, I helped a student two, three months ago appeal her financial aid because her parents had lost their job, basically. And so we were able to show the university, look, here's how much income lost she had, and here's what it translates to. And so as a matter of fact, we were not only able to get her more tuition money, but then the university also gave her an extra stipend for transportation. So it does not hurt to ask. They might say no, because a lot of people are going through it, but you'll never know unless you ask. So I would highly, highly encourage you to do that. So another thing is, I am wondering, has this pandemic made you rethink going to college right away? Like, let's say, God forbid, we don't have a vaccine. By the time you are getting ready to go to college, would you think about a deferral? Or would you think, well, no, you know what, I'm just going to go even if it's virtual? The most important thing to me would be finances. So like I mentioned, obviously her losing her job for a little bit into the pandemic and for me to lose my job throughout the whole pandemic has definitely affected us and how we manage our savings. So if it were to continue being this way with the U.S. struggling to fix or deal with the pandemic, I would be more comfortable going to a community college in the beginning. So I know there's STC nearby and I would be comfortable with going there for my basics if it meant that one, I could save money to live at home and three, just be in less danger than I would be if I were to go to the East Coast and travel on a plane and be on dorms and things like that. 
Right. I think that at this point, college seniors have a really interesting dilemma to deal with, especially people that are paying out of pocket, because I don't know that a lot of people are willing to pay all that money to take a class virtually. But at the same time, another thing you might want to think about is how going to community college might affect your chances of getting into that school later on. So it's kind of a trade off, right? Like you have to think about it from different angles. So hopefully you are able to go to your dream college. So tell our audience, what is your dream college? And how did you choose that as your dream college? I would say I don't have one just because my recent college search has led me to many, many colleges that I would find myself happy to be at. But definitely in my top two would be Georgetown University, which is located in Washington, D.C. Just because I want to be an immigration lawyer and being in Washington, D.C. would mean I was at the center of everything. It would be like the White House is right there. The Supreme Court is right there. I could be a witness to everything and get internships throughout my entire college career. And then my second choice would have to be Smith College, which is a women's college, also in the East Coast, which I'm super excited about because they're very liberal, which is something that I look for in colleges. Both of those options sound phenomenal. And they sound like they line up with your interests very, very well. And Washington is super cool to be part of. I think once you get in there, you'll realize that you might not ever go back again, or you'll realize, you know what, I can only handle small degrees of politics after this. So I'm interested to hear what happens to you if, if you end up there. Now, let me ask on a positive note, has COVID brought any positive impacts to your life? Definitely. Yes, of course. I didn't mention it, but part of Lita's curriculum is to have a community impact project, which you help your community based on your interest or just what you see fit around your community. And if I had been working during this whole pandemic, or if there hadn't been a pandemic at all, I wouldn't have enough time to focus on my community impact project like I have now. I'm active on it social media. I have a lot of links for donations and stuff like that, which I know I would not be able to if I had been working the 25 to 30 hours a week that I used to be, plus having schoolwork, plus having extracurricular activities. So tell us more about your community project. What was it and what was it that you were trying to do? So my community impact project is titled Kids Con Cariño, which translates to Kids with Care in English. And it is basically aimed at women, low-income women specifically, and immigrants in South Texas. And the aim is basically to provide these stakeholders with free access to everyday essential items. So it would be like your toothpaste, your pads, your tampons, etc. And it is going on right now. It's just more of a virtual and more safe setting. So donations are through an Amazon wish list, or if it's going to be in-person donations, I'm suggesting everyone wear a mask, everyone have hand sanitizer available, and then every kit would obviously include the reusable cotton mask and the hand sanitizer. And how many kits have you been able to package and give out to the community? I just started with the foundation of my project since Lita just ended. But right now I have gotten at least $150 worth of item donations and our GoFundMe is already at $650. So I'm definitely on my high horse at this point. I'm just really excited for what's to come. The donation of the actual kits, according to my timeline that I created, doesn't start until October. But as of now, I'm feeling very confident in the way that it is going to go. Michelle, that sounds like you are doing some amazing work in the Rio Grande Valley. And for our audience who might be interested in helping you out, can you tell us one more time how to find your organization? 
Yes, on Instagram, it's going to be at Kids Con Cariño without the ñ, obviously. And then on Facebook, you can find us under the same user. And our email would be kidsconcariño at gmail.com. Perfect. Well, thank you for all the work you are doing in the Rio Grande Valley. The RGB has a very special place in my heart. I worked there for a bit. So any help, I'm sure, would be greatly appreciated. So, well, if you could do two or three lessons learned from this pandemic overall, they don't have to be necessarily about your education. It could be about the world. It could be about politics. For one, as I mentioned, the best plan is no plan at all. <laughs> Secondly, I would say that voting matters, especially at a time like this. We've seen so much civil unrest during this time. And I think this is a perfect time for people to wake up and realize that your vote is your voice. And it is up to you to decide what our nation will look like in the future. Lastly, wash your hands. <laughs> that is a very good lesson to learn. Good. I like all three of them. Some very practical and some very big picture. All of them very important. So lastly, and this will be the last thing I'll ask you is, do you have any recommendations for our seniors, our high school seniors listening to this podcast as they prepare to apply to college? My first and my very, very, very big piece of advice would be start on your scholarship applications and start on your supplements. If you're going to apply to a college or university like Georgetown, please get on that soon because it is not like every other institution that is just on the Common App. Georgetown is very quirky and has their own application. So I would definitely suggest looking into the schools that you want to go to and seeing if they're on the Common App. And if they're not, just try to figure out how you will apply and when the deadlines are. I would also say invest in a college book. So I have the Hidden Ivies book, which was provided to me by Lita, which helps me find liberal arts colleges. And that has been like my number one best best friend throughout this whole pandemic. So I would definitely say, yes, start on your supplements, start on your applications as soon as you can and invest in some books so you can find the college that is a perfect fit for you. So just to recap, one, I think what you're saying is have a plan and have a timeline and stick to your timeline. And the second thing is continue your research on what a best fit university means for you. You mentioned that for you, that means a small liberal arts school, hopefully somewhere close to where politics are happening. And for other people, it might be a big institution, the bigger, the better. So just maybe make a list of all the things that you know you want and then begin either through a book or Google search and then start maybe narrowing down your list. And then maybe one thing, last thing I would add that you mentioned in our episode is do research in unconventional ways. Before people were flying in, people were actually getting to feel the campus, touch it, be able to know what it's like to be a student there. Because of COVID, that is not happening anymore. So go on to YouTube, go on to social media, talk to people, reach out to them, even if you don't know them, obviously, very respectfully and say, do you mind just jumping on a quick call for 10 minutes so you can tell me more about what it's like to be a student there. So I think you have given our audience some very good practical skills. Is there anything else that you would like to mention that we didn't talk about? I think just to reiterate, your college list is for you. It is not for your counselor. It is not for your teachers. It is not for your family. So if you are part of an ethnic family like me, it is, I guess, every mother's dream for their daughter or for their son to go to Harvard. And I'm just telling you, you do not have to add an Ivy onto your list unless that is what you want. This is your college list. This is your future. And you should be able to determine that on your own. 
So basically what you're saying is know yourself, what you want, what you need, and more than anything, know that the next four or five years are yours. So you get to shape that experience the way you want it. Definitely, yes. Perfect. Well, Michelle, it was wonderful to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for your time and your tips. And please keep us updated on where you end up. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Navigating through life amidst the pandemic has caused questions to be raised and stress levels to be high for many of our first-gen friends. But as Michelle, many students are still determined to follow their dreams of continuing their education and being among the first ones in their families to attend college. Today, Michelle gave us some great tips to facilitate your journey of applying to college. All of the tips and tricks are highlighted in our website under the episode tab, but I will highlight here a few. Michelle discussed utilizing technology to continue her friends and connections during her senior year. In absence of visiting schools and seeing and feeling the culture of that university, she has reached out to students, she has looked up videos on YouTube, and she has followed the university on social media to learn more about the culture, but also to see how they're responding to the COVID-19 situation. When it comes to college interviews, Michelle advises us to still let your emotions be seen. Be yourself, even through Zoom. Obviously, you should also figure out if you need to retake the SAT or the ACT and you need to plan accordingly because seats are going fast. In addition, if your financial situation changes, let the college know in the special box, under circumstances, or during the appeal process. And lastly, if you have any extra time, you might want to consider doing something back for your community, like Michelle did beginning with Kids Con Cariño, which provides essential needs for low-income women in the Rio Grande Valley. Not only is this the right thing to do, to be human and to help each other during this pandemic, but it also looks great on your college resume. Thanks again to our speakers, and thank you for tuning in today on How to College for First Gens. As always, you can find us online at howtocollegefirstgen.org. If you have any questions or feedback, we want to hear from you and what you think, what you're struggling with, and how we can help. Remember, you are not alone in this journey. Until next time.